years ago it's hard to believe it's been that long a saga began and this saga was filmed back to back directed by Peter Jackson who recently just released the Beatles Get Back documentary but 20 years ago Peter Jackson was known for other films And it was 20 years ago that this trilogy began based on the books by Tolkien. They spawned three films. Oh, they spawned them all right. Lord of the Rings released December 20. Is it the 20th? Yes. 2001. Yeah. It's been an extraordinary time going back and revisiting this extraordinary film. Now that scene, that's a favorite thing among, among many Lord of the Rings fans. Okay, so the first film was The Fellowship of the Ring, released in 2001, followed by The Two Towers in 2002, and the third film... The Return of the King in 2003. Produced and distributed by New Line Cinema. Directed by Peter Jackson. Screenplay by Fran Walsh, Philip Aboyans, Peter Jackson, Stephen Sinclair. With a very illustrious cast. A lot of these people were unknowns at the time and would become known. Elijah Wood was a child star. He was very much known. Sir Ian McKellen. Hello. Liv Tyler. Vigo Mortison, Sean Astin, Kate Blanchett, John Rice Davies, Christopher Lee, Billy Boyd, Dominic Monaghan, Orlando Bloom, Hugo Weaving, Andy Serkis, Sean Bean, just to name a few. The Lord of the Rings 
the Fellowship of the Ring. This was in the the early age, you know, the trailer. YouTube was not around yet. If you wanted to watch a trailer, you had to go to the website. You had to watch it. Released on December night or December twentieth in New Zealand, two thousand and one, and the United States. Woo! Made a lot of money. Was nominated for thirteen Academy Awards: Best Picture, Best Director. Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor for Sir Ian McKellen, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Film Editing, Best Original Song for May It Be, and Best Sound, winning four. Best Cinematography, Best Makeup, Best Original Score, and Best Visual Effects. Second Age of Middle Earth, that's what we're covering. This is a legendary film, and last night we talked about the uh, a Clockwork Orange, and here we are at something totally different. Filming began on October 11th, 1999. My goodness. The film is noted for having an ensemble cast, and some of the cast and their respective characters include Elijah Wood as Frodo Baggins, Sir Ian McKellen as Gandalf the Grey, Vigo Mortensen as Aragorn, Strider Eloris, I can't say the rest. Sean Aston as Sandwife's Ganges. Sean Bean as Broamir. Billy Boyd as Paragon Took. Dominic Monaghan as Meridoc uh, Brandybuck. John Rice Davies as Gimli. Orlando Bloom as Legolas Greenleaf. Liv Tyler as Arwen. Craig Kate Blanchett as. How do you say that name? I know I'm butchering some of it, and some of the Lord of the Rings people are going to come after me. But. Galadriel. Galadriel. Christopher Lee as Saruman, the white. Oh, the late Christopher Lee. Hugo Weaving as Elrond. Ian Holm as Bilbo Baggins. Also, he's gone. Andy Serkis as Gollum. Yeah. This was a legendary film, people. 20 years. Okay. I was also going to talk about there's a new trailer of the Northman, but we're going to devote a whole show to that. I am I am looking forward to that. But tonight, this this is the film of all films. Also, it was interesting that this was right after 9/11. 9/11 really Lord of the Rings really helped people um, begin the healing process. That's what film and media is all about. And Lord of the Rings really did that. It really did that. And I remember going to buy an album around that time. And just it was a it was a crazy time. I didn't see the movie in the theater, strangely enough. I did see the third and final film in the theater. This is this this film really spawned. I mean, you also have the Hobbit series, which takes place before, I believe. There was a cartoon series. J.R.R. Tolkien originated this this series. Here's the trailer. This is when trailers are trailers.
lost for centuries. It has been sought by many and has now found its way into the hands of the most unlikely person imaginable. Sarum needs only this ring to cover all the lands in darkness. What must I do? The ring must be destroyed. The ring must be cast back into the fires of Mount Doom. There is evil there that does not sleep. Sauron's forces are already moving. They will find the ring. They will kill the one who carries it. No! Appointed to you, and if you do not find a way, no one will. The enemy has many spies, birds, beasts. Something draws near. I can feel it. Get off the road! You must remember, Frodo, Ring is trying to get back to its master. It wants to be found. Let us hope that our presence may go unnoticed. What a trailer. And that was back in the day when a trailer really said something. It wasn't just a teaser. It was a trailer. Okay. So, yes, this this is based on the original, you know, this is based on uh, the novels by... I want to say his name right. Okay. J.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings. There's an interesting history between the Lord of the Rings. Supposedly the Rolling Stones were going to play them. You know, Frodo and all of them. Or the Beatles. It wouldn't have been interesting. <laughs> but here we are. December of 2001. And like I said, a lot had happened. We had 9-11. The world was changing. This film really gave us some new faces. A lot of new faces. And a few of them. For one, I mean, Sean Astin is not a new face. We know, we have known Sean Astin since the Goonies and since Rudy. As Elijah Wood, we've known him since his days as a child actor. Sir Ian McKellen, who is a Shakespearean actor, very legendary 
uh, played Richard III uh, Gods and Monsters where he played James Whale Sean Bean who always either played the good guy or the bad guy now we have new people like Billy Boyd Billy Boyd who is a I believe a Scottish actor yeah Lord of the Rings really it it put many people on the map including him Dominic Monaghan Dominic Monaghan has an interesting story he is he is uh, British and he's from Germany and started off as Jeffrey in the Hetty Winthrop investigates crime series from 1996 to 1998 and it was Lord of the Rings that really put him on the map internationally but in Britain he was known John Rice Davies. John Rice Davies has been around a long time. What's interesting is he's playing Gimli, who is a dwarf. So John Rice Davies had to film on his knees. I don't think they digitally altered him because he's a very tall man. If you remember, he was in the Indiana Jones series. So he knows a thing or two about trilogies. In the Indiana Jones series, he was Sala. And he was and he was always, you know, right there to help Indy. He was in the first Indiana Jones film. I don't think he was in Temple of the Doom, but he was of course in The The, the Last Crusade, because he's the one who says You're named after the dog. Yeah. And he looks totally unrecognizable in Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. But that voice, he's got that voice, you know what I mean? And then Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom was not known, okay, before Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings really put him on the map, okay? Um, I think, though, personally, he was a little overexposed after that. But, you know, that happens to everyone. Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler had been an actress a long time. Her and Elisa Silverstone in that Aerosmith video. She'd been in Stealing Beauty. She'd been in Armageddon. And so Liv Tyler, I mean, beautiful daughter of Steven Tyler. So she's been around a long, long time. A lot of the people in this film, it it elevated them. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett was well known also. Christopher Lee, Christopher Lee, who was the original, you know, who really brought a new sense to Dracula. Okay. And here's something interesting. This is an interesting tidbit about Sir Christopher Lee, who is no longer with us. Okay. He plays Saruman. Lee was a major fan of the book and read it once a year. He also had met J.R.R. Tolkien. He originally auditioned for Gandalf, but was judged too old. Hugo Weaving, Hugo Weaving from, you know, the Matrix series, and also uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Hello, that's a legendary film. Ian Holm, Ian Holm, who, you know, okay, see, I didn't know this. Holm previously played Frodo in a 1981 radio adaption of The Lord of the Rings. I didn't know that. Now, Ian Holm is, of course, he's no longer with us. He's known for Chariots of Fire, okay? And he played as uh, 
the trainer Sam in Chariots of Fire. And then Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis really was not known up until this point. He is now a director. He directed uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which was so good. But he really originated the role of Gollum. And that really... that, That Gollum character was created through CGI had kind of a uh, Iggy Pop kind of walk to him. In fact, that was the premise was to make him move around like Iggy Pop. But Andy Serkis, Andy Serkis was a, a British actor. He and like I said before, Lord of the Rings, he was not known. <sighs> okay. Oh, here we go. This is interesting. Comparisons with the source material. Jackson, Walsh, and Bowens made numerous changes to the story for purposes of pacing character development. Jackson said his main desire was to make a film focused primarily on Frodo and the ring, the backbone of the story. The prologue condenses Tolkien's backstory in which the last alliance's seven-year siege of the Bradadur is a single battle, where Saruman is shown to explode, though Tolkien only said his spirit flees. Some events from the book are condensed or admitted at the beginning of the film. The time between Gandalf leaving the ring to Frodo and returning to reveal its inscription, which is 17 years in the book, is compressed for timing reasons. The tone of Mora, uh, Morai, or Mora sequence was altered in the book. Following the defeat of the Caradar's road, Gandalf advocates Mora. Mordor wrote against the resistance of the rest of the fellowship, save Gimli, suggesting that there is hope that Mora er, is a free. There is even a chance that dwarves are there, though no one seems to think it's likely. Frodo proposes that they take a company vote, but the discovery of the wargs on their trail forces them to accept Gandalf's proposal. They only realize the dwarves are all dead once they reach Balin's tomb. The filmmakers chose instead for Gandalf to resist the Mara plan as a foreshadowing device. Foreshadowing. Gandalf says that Gimli, to Gimli, he would prefer not to enter Mara, and Saruman is shown to be aware of Gandalf's hesitance, revealing an illustration of the Balrog in one of his books. The corpses of the dwarves are instantly shown as a fellowship into Mara. Once entered that many critics... Okay, one detail that many critics commented upon in the is the fact that in the novel Pippin tosses uh, a mere pebble into the well in Mora then they hear the sounds of a hammer tapping in the distance whereas in the film he knocks an entire skeleton in next to the skeleton falls down the well also dragging down a chain in a bucket the noise is incredible this de- the development of the film began in 1997 Filming began in 1999. I mean, this filmed all over the place. The filming took place in various locations across New Zealand. What a epic film. Of course, you've got your special effects. Hello. You've got the score. The special behind-the-scenes trailer was released in 2000. The trilogy teaser was shown before the 13 days in the teaser trailer before Pearl Harbor. The final trailer was the television premiere of Angel and before the Harry Potter Philosopher's Stone. Both trailers appeared as Easter eggs. Oh, hello. The Fellowship of the Ring was released on VHS, remember VHS, and DVD. Blu-ray, Blu-ray was not around yet on August 6, 2002. 
And there also is an extended version of the three films that was implemented. So this is this is twenty years ago. I mean, my favorite though is the second breakfast. I think that is funny. There's a lot of comedic timing in um, the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Rings. All all three films have their moments. And I think it's these, you know, it's it's uh, Frodo and his crew, and and they help to kind of tone the film a, a bit, you know, because it, it doesn't always need to be dramatic. Gentlemen, we do not stop till nightfall. What about breakfast? We've already had it. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Think he knows about second breakfast, Pip. What about elevenses? Luncheons, afternoon tea, dinner, supper. He knows about them, doesn't he? I wouldn't count on it. Pippin. One person that I forgot to mention who was not well known before this film. He was an actor. He'd been around a long time. And that's Vigo Mortensen. Vigo Mortensen had been within the film structures, the film fixtures for a long time. He had been in independent films. He'd been in television series. But he was not ultra well known. Lord of the Rings changed that forever. And since then, he's been nominated for uh, an Academy Award many, many times. From Captain Fantastic to Eastern Promises to Blue Book. Or Green Book, sorry. (laughs) Blue Book, Green Book. And then, of course, as I mentioned before, Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis as Gollum. And Gollum really makes his appearance in the second film but he's hinted upon in the first film now the one person I wanted to talk about was Sir Ian McKellen Sir Ian McKellen had an interesting career and still does because before this he was Magneto in X-Men okay and his good friend um His name just escapes me. Thankfully, we have the, the tablet here. Uh, oh, Patrick. Yes. But to think that, you know, they did these these X-Men films. Patrick Stewart and, and Sir Ian McKellen, you know. Uh, Patrick Stewart is Professor X and Sir Ian McKellen. Sir Ian McKellen is such an interesting character. I've always enjoyed him. He has that voice. And and he's a Shakespearean actor. Come on. But he's played so many different roles. And he's such a powerful actor. But in Lord of the Rings, oh my goodness, he really... Him and uh, Christopher Lee... That's, That's an interesting 
moment right there. These legendary actors. And you know, Christopher Lee, at that point, I think he was in his 80s. He lived into his 90s and died in 2015. Very, very tall. In fact, was a spy during World War II. Well, we're going to get to that, but this is... There's a lot going on in Lord of the Rings and the legendary fight between Gandalf and Saruman. Gandalf's power is, you know, positive power and Saruman's power is malevolent and dark and he just wants it all. Has regained much of his former strength. He cannot yet take physical form, but his spirit has lost none of its potency. Concealed within his fortress, the Lord of Mordor sees all. His gaze pierces cloud, shadow, earth, and flesh. You know of what I speak, Gandalf. A great eye, lidless, wreathed in flame. The eye of Sauron. He is gathering all evil to him. Very soon he will have summoned an army great enough to launch an assault upon Middle-earth. You know this? I have seen it. A Palantir is a dangerous tool, Saruman. Why? Why should we fear to use it? They are not all accounted for, the lost seeing stones. We do not know who else may be watching. The hour is later than you think. Sauron's forces are already moving. Nine have left Minas Morgul. They crossed the river Eisen on Midsummer's Eve, disguised as riders in black. They've reached the shore. They will find the ring and kill the one who carries it. Frodo. Hey! 
And that's an epic battle between Gandalf and Saruman. Saruman. Now here is the late Christopher Lee talking about Lord of the Rings. You ought to see me with the 357 Magnum. I'm awesome. When Wormtongue rises up and comes up behind Saruman to stab him, um, of course it was my job as director to talk to Christopher Lee and to explain to him what I, what I wanted. So I started to go into this long explanation about what sort of sound he should make when he got stabbed. I seem to recall that I did say to Peter, have you any idea of what kind of noise happens when somebody's stabbed in the back? And I said, well, because I do. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not, ah, no. like that. It's <laughs> because the breath's driven out of your body. He proceeded to sort of talk about some very clandestine part of World War II. He used to be in the, the British Secret Service, whatever they were called, the OSS. He seemed to have expert knowledge of exactly the sort of noise that they make, and so I just sort of didn't push the subject any further. I just said, well, you obviously know what to do, Christopher, so I'm sure you'll do it great, and he did. And so that's the legendary Christopher Lee basically saying... I know what it means to be stabbed in the back because of his time during World War II. Uh, he was an agent. He worked for the British Secret Service, I believe, the British Intelligence. So I know I'm probably getting it all wrong. Um, Aragorn. Now, as I've said before, Many of the actors in this film went on to really big careers. Viggo Mortensen was one of them. Right after Lord of the Rings, he did Hildago.
Now, Viggo Mortensen as Aragorn is a legendary moment, leading man. And it was one person who convinced him to take the role in The Lord of the Rings. Didn't you have to be talked into doing Lord of the Rings? I read that you did not initially, you didn't want to take the role. I'm a slow starter, uh, <laughs> and I'm very wary. I have to be talked into most roles, you know. Uh, uh, even with Green Book, you know, I was nervous about that. Lord of the Rings, I, I just hadn't read the books, and I was a last-minute replacement. Right. They were already filming. And my son said, you know, he was 11 at the time. He goes, Dad, that's the guy. He goes, who, who are you playing? I go, well, it's this guy. He's in the woods with the small people. And I didn't know. That's the summary right there. <laughs> he goes, in the woods with the small people. That guy becomes the king. I go, he does? A king? Really? He goes, yeah, you got to do that. You got to do that. I'm like, okay. And I'm glad I did, obviously. It gave me, it gave me, I, had a, I had a great experience. And it gave me lots of opportunities. And, and that's true. It gave him a lot of opportunities. Now, Vigo was not the first choice to play Aragorn. And if we go into, and that's why I do the Dr. Zeus film podcast, is also to talk about, okay, these are the things we didn't know. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. The things we didn't know okay here we go Daniel Day-Lewis was offered the part at the beginning of the pre-production but turned it down Nicolas Cage also received an offer declining because of family obligations while Vin Diesel a fan of the book auditioned for Aragorn Stuart Townsend was cast in the role before being replaced during filming when Jackson realized he was too young Russell Crowe was considered as a replacement, but he turned it down because he, was, he does not want to be typecast and believed to be, it was too similar to Gladiator. Day-Lewis was offered the role for a second time, but declined again. Executive producer Mark Ordesky, Ordesky saw Mortison in a play, 
Mortison's son, a fan of the book, convinced him to take the role. Vigo Mortison read the book on the plane, received a crash course lesson in fencing from Bob Anderson, and began filming the scenes on Weathertop. Mortison became, became a hit with the crew, patching up his costume and carrying his hero sword around with him off camera. And so there you have it. That's Lord of the Rings. 20 years. My goodness. It spawned a lot of careers and a lot of legends. Cinematography by Andrew Lesnine. Or Les... Or how do you say it? I want to... I wanna, these are the cast and crew that need to be recognized. Andrew Lesney. Andrew edited by John Gilbert. Music by Howard Shore. Released by New Line Cinema. This is an epic directed by Mr. Peter Jackson, released 20 years ago. What about breakfast? You had already had it. Yes, but what about second breakfast? Unpleasant dreams. <laughs>